Hello, welcome to the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. This is our series called Suitcase, where we're diving in and we're going to look at God's Word, how to overcome depression, anxiety, the stresses of life, and I believe this will be an encouragement to you. Remember, if you want any information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. But let's jump right in to this week's message. We're launching a new sermon series this week called Suitcases or Suitcase. And um, uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'll, I always get really excited kind of when we end the sermon series and head into the next one. And so I, I think this is very fitting being in November of uh, looking at this and um, each week. But uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 as kind of our text where we're jumping off this morning. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, don't forget you can go on to uversion.com or use your Bible app and pull up events on our church and uh, the notes will be there that you can follow along. But for those of you that have our notebook, which we have notebooks available, there's also fill in the sheets to kind of help you track along with what's going on and um, to fill in those, those blanks. But First Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking, but let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord, for just your presence, your work in us, and just pray, Lord, that our hearts be open, good soil, ready to receive your word, that I pray today, Lord, that... Um, Lord, if something significant happens in our hearts and our spirits, that we just, that this weight is lifted. In the name of Jesus, amen. Are you ready? Are you awake? All right. First Peter 5.5 5 is where we're starting. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you, this is the, really the kind of where we're launching into the key part of what we're going to look at, Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand, the power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. And even before we launch into anything, it was, I, I found it quite interesting, you know, whenever you're working on a sermon or, you know, working through scripture and you're reading commentaries and, all, and doing the research and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's really sometimes rare on a verse like this to find that, uh, that the far majority of the, the smart guys that wrote commentaries agree. And here's what they say, is that this is reference from Peter talking about making reference to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And all of them talked about this and gave scripture references. And I thought that was interesting, especially focusing in on where it says, under the mighty power of God. It was through the power of God that the children of Israel came out of Egypt. You have to remind yourself, what did Egypt what, what to us does Egypt represent? Well, Egypt represents the world. E- Egypt represents the sin, bondage, but it also represents just that weight of the slavery that they were in. And this is really fitting as we're talking this morning, that God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, humble yourselves under the mighty 
power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries, cares to God, for he cares for you. I don't know about how you guys are, but whenever me and when, when, our, when the Starnes family goes on a trip, um, I got to be honest, I mean, it's like the whole house gets packed. It doesn't matter, well, it doesn't matter if it's a weekend trip or if it's a two, we take as much stuff for one night as we do for two weeks. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. That's, well, that's what it feels like anyway. And, you know, and I really can't always just blame the girls. It's, it's just not, it's not the girls' fault. It, well, it's not Chase's fault. Chase, um, is Chase in here? I, he, he'll take his two backpacks. And one has clothes and one has his Xbox. And uh, usually he never packs enough for anything, like one sock instead of a pair of socks. And he's got to use my stuff anyway. It's like, Chase, you knew it was like 20 degrees outside and you brought basketball shorts. Anyway, okay. So, but we usually pack a lot of stuff. I, I've told Angela, I was like, you know what? I, if you just let me buy a five by eight trailer, it'd be a whole lot easier to load and unload. I mean, just shove it all in there and... And we're good to go. And then, it, you know, it, it's always amazing. It's like they want to take bicycles. It's like, we haven't rode bicycles in two years, and you want to take bicycles. But they want to cram it in there. They want to take it all. And, I, I, you know, I, I know that I'm, I'm just as bad as anybody when we get to go to our family farm, my father-in-law's farm. I mean, you got to take, I got to take my hunting stuff. I got to take my shooting stuff. I got to take my fishing stuff, Right? I'm at, you know, and so anyway, so I'm saying I'm just, I may be just as bad, but you know, a lot of times that's kind of really the way that uh, uh, we live life is how we shove and keep shoving and cramming it in to our hearts and our spirits and our souls. And, you know, I, I, I thought so many times, it's, it's no different when you go to the airport. I cannot tell you how, did you know, you may not know this, I our family know this very well. There is a weight limit to your suitcase at the airport. And I, I'll tell you how I know that. It's because nine times out of ten, we're opening up the suitcase and trying to move stuff from one from suitcase to another and, and throwing stuff in backpacks because I, for some reason, even though that we use our bathroom scale at home and weigh, we get to the airport, and theirs is always off. But, I, you know, I, we have those suitcases that you get an extra zipper and you unzip it and it makes it even bigger. You know what I mean? I mean, and that, that's the way our lives are sometimes. We're trying to cram all of that stuff inside that suitcase. I mean, we do really good at what we present to people on the outside. We look strong. We look happy. We, you know, we try to make our life look like, um, I know, the screen. I don't know what's going on with our things. So sorry about that. But, um, you know, I, uh, we, we want our lives some, so many times to look like people's, you know, fa social media posts. You know, I mean, rarely do, I mean, we, we usually only post like the good things, the happy things, the fun things, you know. And we, we wear this facade so many times. But I, just by living life, I, I we, we just spend ourselves, you know. I, reading back, like, I don't know if you know about some of this stuff, but, I mean, there was some guys, like, back in the, I, don't, I think it was in the 1800s, and they were like, 
oh, in the year 2000, people are only going to work like four hours a day and get like 15 weeks of vacation and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, they, they missed that one. Choo! You know, that, I mean, that, that's not what our culture, our society is like. I mean, we spend, we give ourselves to family, we give ourselves to work, we give ourselves to serving the church, hint, hint. Um, you know, and so many times it feels like, you know, not only do we got this weight on ourselves, but it's like carrying heavy weight, walking through sand, and we're just sinking. I mean, if we want to be really honest with ourselves, I, I would dare say that most of us in the room, you've gone through a season or a time, you thought, I cannot handle one more thing. I can't handle one more responsibility. I can't handle one more point of stress. I can't handle one more bill. I can't handle one more collection notice. And it just weighs down and it weighs down and it weighs down. And you know, I, we're, uh, you know, our family, you know, it's rare uh, that we've ever had a vehicle that, you know, to us, you know, when you get a car, I mean, 100,000 miles is just right when it's getting broken. But for some reason, that's when the check engine light comes on about that time, too. Or like my truck is just going nuts. It's got maintenance required, service engine, and that little exclamation point that I think is supposed to be your tires, but all my tires are fine. And I got all these things flashing at me. You know, and all that is, those are warning signs that tell us we're supposed to take our vehicle in because there's a root issue. And there is somebody that knows more than we do, and we're, we need to take our cars into that place and let them check it out. And I'm going to tell you, that's exactly what, when we feel overstressed or overburdened or anxiety, that's, it, that's that warning light, the check engine light, that you need to go to somebody that's smarter than you, that has the right tools for the right job, and who that is, is the Lord. That's our God. He's the one that created you and made you. And so many times what we want to do is we think we have the strength or the willpower or the know-how or whatever it is to handle it all ourselves. And the reality is we don't. I mean, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And the reality is that so many of us have allowed our hearts to be weighed down with too much stuff that we shouldn't haven't, haven't even been, we hadn't, shouldn't have been carrying anyway. That was never meant for us to carry. It's, it's, it's time to come to the place of surrender to the maker. In, you know, when we feel that weight, we, we have to come to the place to break the cycle when we feel that weight. Well, so many times what we want to do is we want to take control. We feel like we can take control of the situation. And then we find out that we don't have control, and then we get afraid of losing control, and we're afraid of losing control. We want to control more, and it creates this awful cycle. So here's what I want you to know. Here's the theme of everything that we're going to talk about. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. 
And so how do we do that? Listen, number one is this, is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's exactly what our verse says. If that is getting too annoying, we can just freeze it, turn it off, unplug it, something. We don't, you don't have to always have the power to control. You always have the power to surrender. So we first humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's exactly what our verse tells us. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God because the reality is we try to control things and what that amounts to just at the bottom line is our pride. We think that we got this. We have the strength and we have to come to the place to humble ourselves. When you're submitting to God, you are submitting to his care and his protection. I mean, some of us, we're just a little too independent for our own good, and we need to come to the Lord. We need to come to the place of surrender to him. And the, and the reality is because I think some of us have a false uh, viewpoint or understanding of what humility is. Humility is not self-deprecation. Humility is not self-deprecation. I, you know, that's putting ourselves down, treating ourselves badly, self-pity, self-hatred, low self-esteem. That, that, that is not what humility is. One of my favorite verses about humility is found in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, it says this, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. I just want to remind you who wrote the book of Numbers. Do you know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses wrote the book of Numbers. I mean, process, you know, here I am writing in my journal. Now, Todd was very humble, more humble than any other person. So I decided to write a book. What is humility and how to obtain it? You know, I mean, this is Moses. I mean, and so our concept of what, I mean, this is, I mean, do you believe Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Bible tells us it is, and yet the Holy Spirit, under the Holy Spirit's unction, Moses writes, he was a very humble. So I don't, I don't think sometimes we quite understand what humility is. So what is humility? What is humility? Humility is a teachable spirit. Humility is a teachable spirit. I'm going to say it again because I even know there's some Calpha people in the house. Humility, fat, right? One of those is teachable. Humility is a teachable spirit. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 18. If you ignore criticism, you'll end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept correction, you'll be honored. Listen to me. Whatever level of life you're at, whatever your, 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 your financial uh, status, whatever your socioeconomic status, what, what, wherever you are, I want you to understand something. There is somebody that can speak wisdom into your life. None of us are above that. Do you, do you hear me? To really understand what humility is, and especially the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we need to have a teachable spirit. Humility is also brokenness. Humility is brokenness. Humility is brokenness. I love that this, to me, John chapter 12, verse 24 is the verse I'm going to share. 
And it speaks to so many different things. Now, the foundation of John 12, 24 is Jesus is talking about the moment where he's going to be placed in the tomb and about his resurrection. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. But there is an agriculture um, uh, 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 premise, a, a foundation that is also being set up by the Lord that is applicable in so many areas. In John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. I want you to think about that for a moment. You're, when you go through times in your life and there, you go through brokenness, you go through difficult things, what you have to realize is that God is going to use you and use your life to do something which what you thought was broken. Does that make sense? And so and then a harvest comes up out of your life. Humility is brokenness. Humility is also understanding identity. Now the verse I almost used right here was, you know, it's in Romans, you know, and it's a good one. It's a really good verse, a really good um, a teaching point. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but humility is understanding identity. But I, I felt, this is the verse I want to use. It's Isaiah 49, 16. It's one of my favorite promises that we see in Scripture. And it says, see, I have written your name on the palm of my hands. Some translations say inscribed. Always my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. But see, I've written your name on the palm of my hands. Listen to me. You, I, the only way you ever are going to find who you are and who you are not is in God. And when we understand what, it, what identity means in the kingdom about being part of the body, about being part of the, 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 being part of the kingdom of God, but Paul in Scripture in the New Testament tells us in so many places that being a member of God's house is like being a member of the body. As a matter of fact, there are scriptures that tells us, I mean, what if, I mean, how would your body look if you were just one big old great big eye? That, that would look kind of weird, I mean, you know. That's not who we are. We are pinkies and we're toes and we're arms, we're visible parts and unseen parts. When you understand your identity, you begin to understand humility. Humility is grateful. Humility has, humility knows where to give thanks. Another one of my favorite promises is in Psalm chapter 103, beginning in verse 1. Let all that I am praise the Lord. You know what it means by that, all that I am? I mean, that's part of the identity that we just talked about. The psalmist also wrote, May my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Let all that I am pray. That means everything within inside you, everything that you are, to praise the Lord with my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. And then it tells us what we're, that we're grateful for. Let all that I am praise the Lord, man. Never forget the good things that he's done for me. 
Some translations say, forget not all thy benefits, but those good things that he's done for me. What has he done? He's forgiven you of all of your sin. He's healed you of all of your diseases. He's, def- he's redeemed you from death. He crowns you with love and tender mercies. He fills your life with good things. Your, your, your youth is renewed like an eagle. What God does for you far outweighs what you could ever do for him. Do you hear me? I mean, there's, I'm going to tell you, there are so many extremely talented, gifted, knowledgeable people in church, in the kingdom of God, but God can do very little with them because of their lack of humility. God can take the less gifted, the one from the back 40, who thinks no one knows their name, the one that maybe thinks they have no talents or gifts or anything to give, God can take that, those with a humble heart, and multiply something that impacts life around them. Humility is forgiving. Humility is forgiving. If you, if you haven't read Ephesians, the whole chap, chapter 4, I, matter of fact, I'm going to give you some homework this week right now. I mean, especially dealing with relationships, you need to spend time in Ephesians chapter 4. But in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And uh, other translations, ESV and um, New American Center, some other translations, talk about that. when it talks about that tender-hearted, it has the word humility. But be kind to one another, Humble, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Listen, our offenses, now listen to me very carefully, our offenses towards God are greater than anything done to us. And I say that with full weight knowing that some of us in this room have been through some unimaginable things. But yet, our trespass against God is far greater. And yet, he still forgives us. And yet, he still forgives us. I'm gonna tell you, though, I I wish this is something, I really do. This is, I wish... Walking in forgiveness to those that surround me in life. I wish, and I'm still growing in it. I have a long way to go. But I tell you what, I, it's one of those things I wish I understood and knew 20, 25 years ago. I would dare say there would be a lot less damage in relationships and those in my past than what there is. But sometimes we just have to be right, don't we? Am I hitting too close to home? Y'all got to go really quiet. I mean, sometimes my opinion is the only one that matters. I'm the only one that's right. I'm going to tell you, if you live life that way, what you're going to have that surrounds you is damaged, broken relationships. What I have found is when I have been forgiving, it's never come back to bite me. And I think that's sometimes what we're afraid of. 
where they're going to take advantage of me one more time. I, you know, I'm not saying that sometimes we don't create barriers and boundaries, you know, with, with, with unhealthy people. I, I, listen, we have to live wise, but I'm going to tell you, to forgive someone costs me nothing. Come on, church, are you, are you with me? And when you understand forgiveness, you understand humility. Number two is this. It says, he will lift you up in honor. I'm, I'm just going by what, what, what these verses tell us. He will lift you up in honor. I mean, ultimately, what this verse is talking about is that moment when, I mean, we're we're finally reconciled with God when it comes to eternity. Now, I mean, in the spirit, you know, through salvation, we're reconciled with the Father, but it's talking about that time of the rapture. It's talking about that time when everything comes to a culmination. But I'm going to tell you, even here, as we walk this earth, that God shows honor to us. But we will never experience that honor if we don't get a hold of the first point, walking in humility. Because he says he what? He obeys, he opposes the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. And this is not reading in the script, this is not making the scripture say something it doesn't, but maybe if I can say it this way. When it says that God gives grace to the humble, which you have to process it this way, is that God, he, those that are proud, that want to do it on their own, God opposes, I mean, Listen, I can have a lot of opponents in life, but the one opponent I don't want is God. Right? But he says he gives grace to the humble. What is that? Let's unwrap that word grace just for a minute. That means, that means things we don't deserve. That means, that means strength. That means ability. And he gives, he opposes the proud, but he gives the strength that's needed to those that are humble. He gives the, the power that's needed to the humble. He, are you following me, church? He, see, what he does is he will lift you up in honor. He'll give you the strength what you need when you need it. If you've ever been in a pit, I don't have to tell you what it's like. I, you know, that moment where you're, there's that sense of despair, that sense of hopelessness, that sense of just have no power to get out. But I'm going to tell you this morning that if we come to the Lord and surrender, no matter of all the weight or baggage or the pit that we're in, no pit is too slimy for God. I love that point. You may, I mean, when I, when I wrote that, I thought, that's a good point. No pit is too slimy for God. You haven't done so much wrong that God can't lift you out. There, there's not, you're not too broken, you're not, you're not too messed up, you're, you're, for God not to reach down and to lift you out of that pit that we find ourselves in sometimes. I mean, the promise to us is Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 2. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire. And what did he do? He set my feet on solid ground for steadfast walking. That's what God has done for us. The second thing is this. So how does that happen? How, how does God lift us up? How does he put us in that place of honor? God is willing if you're willing. God is willing if you're willing. The Bible says in Psalm 3, 3, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory 
And I, lo- this is the, I love this part. The one who holds my head high. You know, I was thinking about that of just, you know, the seasons in life and times in life of even, you know, when my, maybe my kids were little or just, or just points in times, just interactions with, with people that, you know, of just encountering somebody so broken, so, so defeated, so, so desperate. You know, it's like even their heads physically hang low and, you know, can't look up, can't look up at anybody. I don't know, maybe, I, I know there's times I've been in that place. And I, you know, physically sometimes, when, especially when my kids were little and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe some kid made fun of them or whatever it was, of just taking my hand and touching their chin and lifting it up. And speaking in their life and saying, you have nothing to hang your head about. Do you know who God's made you to be? You know who you are in Christ. You know your identity. It doesn't matter what all these, it doesn't matter the situation or even when they've messed up. I've taken, you know, when they, they feel that remorse and their head is down of just lifting up their head and saying, it's okay, I forgive you, you're we can walk this out. It's okay. That's the same thing that the Lord does to us when we're willing. I mean, think of that image of the Lord reaching down and just touching you by the chin, saying, child, just lift up your head. I've got you. Another thing for to be lifted up to, to find that strength is to give God worship. This is, to me, so crucial Give God worship. Psalms 42, 5. You know, sometimes I, I don't know if you've ever spent a great deal reading the Psalms, but I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, if, day, if King David lived in our day today, that uh, counselors and, and, uh, and I, don't, I don't say this to mean, to mean anything, so don't take it that way, but I am. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if David exposed his heart to a counselor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, that they'd probably prescribe a whole lot of medication. And I, I'm just being truthful. I mean, I, I don't know if you really have dug into the meat of the Psalms and, and read some of the things that are written, but listen to this one, Psalm 42, 5. Why am I so, dis- have you ever been so discouraged you don't know why you're discouraged? Have you ever been so sad that your heart's just down and you're like, I don't even know what's wrong with me. Why am I so down? And yet the declaration is, I will put my hope in God and I will praise him again. Listen, when you're in that moment and you feel weighed down and you're struggling to live life and you feel like you don't have one more thing to give, you need to find it within yourself to give God worship. You really do. You know, find that place. It may look like the darkest of night. It may look like everything's going wrong. You may feel like you're down that pit like Joseph or whatever the case may be. In that moment, you need to tell the Lord how good he is. 
In that moment, you need to be thankful for what God's done for you. In that moment, beyond all the circumstance, is to lift your hands and say, God, you got this. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to be a church that understands the power of worship. And so what do we do? The third thing is this, is that we cast our cares on the Lord. We cast your cares to God. I mean, to cast simply means to throw. It's that simple. I mean, you know, there's so many times, like, I guess I've had this image of, you know, and I've used the illustration before, almost did again this morning, but like I have a real heavy, heavy backpack and, you know, filled with rocks. And so we, we come to the Lord and, you know, we, we set that backpack down and, you know, make it, tuck it in, make it look at all nice. And, I, you know, the imagery here to cast means that care that anxiety, that worry, that burden, chunk it at God. I mean, that needs to be the visual thing of saying, I can't do this anymore, God. I'm, just, I'm giving it to you, and it's a, it's a thing of desperation to throw, to release, to surrender, to give those cares to the Lord. But what most of us do, we, we give it to God, and we take it back. We give it to God and we take it back. We give it to God and we take it. And we, I mean, we get really good and repetitive at this. We give it to God and then we take it back. Listen, when we give it, when we cast it, when we give our cares over the Lord, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be completely free from our thoughts and, and, and you know, we're just going to, a light bulb's going on and the right decisions is going to be clear. That doesn't always mean that way. But I'm going to tell you, once you give it to God, this, you, you know, just give it to God as much as you have to. Give your burdens to the Lord, the Bible tells us in Psalm 55, 22. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. It says he will not let you slip and fall. God's got you. Give it to God. You know what? I, last night I was thinking, that's a new T-shirt I want. Give it to God. Number four, and the last thing is this. We cast our cares on him. Why? Because God cares for you. Because God cares for you. What I have found in my own personal life, and as I, when I get in those moments of stress and anxiety or whatever it is, I, you know, some, you know, I, <laughs> this year, I, you know, I know a lot of people still even have a whole lot of thoughts and, um, you know, opinions and whatever. But I, I know this, that, uh, you know, I, I, had, I had COVID twice this year. And I had it exactly six months. I had it in January. I, I performed my uncle's funeral, and, and, and that ended up being a, a, a spreading event. And, you know, it really, you know, when I went through it that time, it really wasn't bad. I was like, you know, at that point, you know, I mean, now we're, it was almost, you know, Two years in this thing, I was like, ah, you know, it's no big deal. I mean, I, you know, I took some medicine my doctor prescribed me and rested. And, and the recovery actually is what the kind of reality had. It was a little, actually, the recovery part of it was a little tougher than actually having it. But then in July, I, I got it again. I think one of my kids just had wonderful ministry and brought it home from camp. And uh, that one was rough. 
That one, that one was, it, it, that, it was a pretty rough go. And I, I really didn't say much. And Angela, she was, I mean, the, the kids, they were um, staying with the, with the Adkins. And, you know, there was, a, there was a few days in there where it got, it got pretty bad. I mean, my, my oxygen got, got really, really low and, and about 89 and um, some concern, you know, was, you know, just saying, okay, Lord, you know. And, I, I, you know, when you've been in many funerals that I had of those under 50 because of COVID, it, you know, makes you, makes you process those things. But, um, and it was a tough year. And the shutdown, you know, so many, I don't, I, I don't have all the signals in front of me, but it's pretty amazing of how many pastors and people left ministry during COVID. It's, it's really astounding. And I, so sometimes, you know, I, I know there's, you know, I'm, I may have shared this before. I don't know. And so that's kind of why I say all that, because I'm, my memory is still pretty rough sometimes. I, I, I literally carry a notepad with me when I'm talking to people sometimes and writing reminders on my phone and things of that nature. But in 2019, I went through a season that uh, uh, was pretty rough, just emotionally. And I started having, I don't know officially if it was... Uh, panic attacks or anxiety attacks or, or what it actually, what it was. But, you know, I was just, I was just trying to plug along and handle it myself. And uh, I'd have these moments of just like, um, I don't even know really how to explain it, but I know my blood pressure would go up. I mean, I, I couldn't breathe. It's like, I mean, it's like I, I felt like I was coming out of my skin and, you know, just processing just it. And, and not, you know, I really didn't say much, and it actually happened a while even before I told Angela anything, but um, I'll never forget it. It was, it was on a Wednesday night, and worship had just started, and I was fine. I really, I was, I was great, and, and we had just had our family dinner. That's when we did our family dinner on Wednesday night, and I was in the back, just sitting, and I went to go worship, and I mean, it was, it was the worst attack I had ever had. I mean, to the point that, I mean, I thought I was going to black out. And so I slipped out and came back in the kids' area, and I, I just plopped down on the floor. And I, I was like, I, I didn't know what was going on. I kind of lost sense of my surrounding. I couldn't breathe. And I have no idea why or what was going on. But it's that point that I reached out, and thankfully, Vicky's always got a listening ear and, uh, and she just, she just, she met with me and me and Angela and, you know, we just talked through some things. I don't know if there's really anything significant. I mean, she told me about some vitamins. She, what she told me was I was getting old is what she told me. And some wiring was changing some of that. But, uh, I, I'm convinced that the Lord let me walk through that so I could walk through 2020 I really am. I, I think the Lord has allowed some things to happen sometimes, but, uh, but from that moment, that Wednesday night, um, here and there, there's been little, little things that happen, little things I feel like something coming on, and I just stop, and I say, okay, God, it's yours. It's yours. And there is something I've come to understand more than ever at this point in my life is how much God loves me. How much God cares for me. I know that he loves you. I know that he cares for you. But did you know that God loves me too? 
And I say that as someone standing in your shoes, that when you look at those around you, you can make that same declaration because sometimes when we're in that pit and we're in those battles and we're in that fight, we get this view or this, this how we look at things and say, well, God loves all of them, but what about me? Does he not hear me? That is get real. Is this too real? What about where I'm at, God? What about what I'm facing? What about what I'm going through? What about this stress or anxiety or a battle in my life? What, what about me and what you need to know is even though sometimes you've got to walk it out that God has not abandoned you, that God loves you, that God cares for you. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I can't remember exactly the top of my head the way we say these things sometimes, you know. But we're like, you know, I, I love them, but I sure don't like them. Anybody ever said that about anybody? I got to love them because of Jesus, but I really don't like them. But that is not the way that God feels about you. Not only does God love you, but he likes you. Does that make sense? Not only does God love you, but he likes you. God cares for you. He says in Isaiah 41, 13, and you can stand with this as we close. For I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. I hope that this message was a blessing to you. If you would, please like and share to your favorite platform, and we would greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you would like more information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. If you're ever in the Odessa area, we would love to meet you in person. God bless you.